I put a lot of trust in people. It's just the type of individual I am. I'm a team player. You know, I love working as a team, but as a leader that has accountability and we have to verify and include that's across your own teams, across partners, across your business, what, how you talk to the public about what you're accountable for. I think that's important. You're listening to Cloud Security Reinvented, a podcast for security leaders with a focus on the cloud. Learn best practices from fellow security professionals and how they disconnect from it all at the end of the day. Cloud Security Reinvented. Good morning, or depending on when you are in the world, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Welcome to Cloud Security Reinvented. I'm your host, Andy Ellis. Before I introduce our guest for the week, a quick word from our sponsor, Orca Security. Orca provides agentless security and compliance for your public cloud infrastructure, enabling you to detect and prioritize security risks in minutes, not months. I'm here today with Roland Cloutier, CSO at TikTok. Welcome, Roland. Andy, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. You know, across a security career, and I think you and I have had some pretty long careers, hopefully we've grown and, you know, as our, and we've, we've matured, but the world that we're in has changed a lot. And so today I'd like to get some insight from you, especially in light of the transition from the on-premise world that most of us started into the world of cloud that has basically become the default model for IT infrastructure. But first, I want to talk just a little bit about your career journey, if that's okay. Yeah, that'd be great, Andy. So I think there's this classic stereotype of how security professionals used to operate, which is they started in law enforcement or working for the government and they're very rare, but you're one of them. So what was that like doing law enforcement before moving over to the security side of the house? Yeah. I mean, I I've been so blessed to have such a, you know, diversified background with my training in, in the government and the military. And really I did start out on that physical side, aerospace defense, anti-terrorism, things of that nature, and, and then migrated into federal law enforcement. And, and of course, when you have, you know, felony cases that involve technology, all of a sudden they, you know, your understanding of technology becomes really super important. You go from using technology in the field to, you know, affect the mission to needing technology, you know, to, to really, you know, stop bad things from happening and, and investigating crimes and, and the jump happened, I think, when I was over at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs doing a lot of fraud crimes and so many things were happening on computers. We, you know, we had to go over to the Air Force to OSI and have them help us out on the forensics and the bureau, the old bureau cart teams um, mm -hmm. helping us do network collections and things of that nature. So, you know, a good friend of mine had suggested you seem technically, you know, uh, astute. Maybe you should go back to school. And I did that. I actually went back to school and had a good time. I was the the guy in the back of the classroom, you know, remotely turning off other people's computers, learning, you know, <laughs> to the edge of what I could take it in a safe and protected environment and just enjoyed it and realized I could take my discipline in so many different areas, understanding technology. And that's what I did. And then, um, you know, kind of the rest is history, uh, worked for, you know, large companies like EDS, where I learned consulting and learned different industries and building teams and, and I worked for EMC and critical manufacturing. And then, of course, onto ADP for a decade, helping, you know, protect worldwide payroll technologies. And then I got the call for, you know, TikTok saying, hey, would you ever consider thinking about, you know, protecting, you know, these comp consumers from so many companies around the globe and just a huge opportunity for me to continue to learn. And that's how I got here. 
Yeah, that's really amazing. I want to explore though, like you were basically went from law enforcement into consulting and then into a CISO role. Like that's yeah. gotta be a hard transition from oh, being the, on the outside, telling people how to do it, but now you actually have to do it. You know, and I, I do a lot of transition work with people coming out of law enforcement, government, and military now to, to help them through that transition because the language is different. The focus is different. You know, you have you know, when, you, when you're in these global protection and law enforcement organizations, there's, you know, you're outside of companies, you're dealing with people all over the world and, and, and global critical issues. And then all of a sudden you're inside and you're trying to use the same language. You're trying to use the same approach. And I, you know, I was just fortunate. I had amazing mentors and, you know, I had people in business that appreciated my capability for defining and executing solutions to hard problems. Then they wanted to see me successful in business. So they took the time, they stopped, they educated me on what, you know, CEO leadership teams needed, what business leaders needed over time, getting mentors in the area of boards and sitting down with general counsels that I've worked with or for and really understanding not just how to present or how to explain something, but the details of the why. And, and so I think as leaders, the more of the details of the why that we give to the people we're mentoring especially people coming from different industries really, really helps. That's, I think, a really great way to think about it, right? that details of the why. How has that shifted for you? You went from ADP, who probably not known as a hotbed of rapid innovation, although a lot of technology changes there during your tenure, to TikTok, which is basically one of the most agile businesses or has to be given the competitive landscape there. Like, what's that been like for you? A, learn, a learning experience. It's, uh, it's been exciting and fun. You know, I, I came here to be able to protect the last sunniest corner of the internet. I'm like, you know, I'm a mission like you, Andy, we grew up in this space. I'm a missions, yep. I'm a mission center guy. So I love knowing what I'm going out to, to, to do. And, and that thought of, you know, there's a billion monthly users on platform and, and making sure it's safe for them to operate my kids, make sure it's safe for my kids and my mom that wants to use TikTok, you know, and feel that level of accountability, but the level and capabilities of technology, like I, I've only dreamed about, like I only imagined about my career and, and don't get me wrong. ADP does some really amazing things on the technology in it, but it's, it's a very myoptic or, or specific area of payroll where, you know, a TikTok is from videos to safety, to security, to, I mean, we use machine learning capabilities within our security organization to do, you know, advanced bot defense to do, you know, mm -hmm. on platform influence operations detection. Like we're doing things in a technology space. I never knew I, I would see in my career, to be honest with you, but it's really, you know, you gotta be ready for that speed and feed. You gotta be ready yep. for that high level of operational uh, tempo that, that we have and moving my leadership style and capability to ensure that I enable that for the team has been one of the uh, biggest learning opportunities for me, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really neat way to look at it. You know, some of those capabilities sound like things that were science fiction just a few years ago. And so maybe that, that drives into this question, which is so cloud has become more prevalent across your career and certainly in these transitions. So how has that affected how you approach security? So I, I think in general, it's really this changing world and the changing job of our profession as CSOs into this discussion around, it's not just about enterprise or cloud, it's about business operations protection. And if you think about the digital ecosystem that is business today, it's how, what, what is the environment you operate in? 
and how do you defend it? And it's going to be different, right? Depending on your mission space and what you're doing. You know, I, I went from a very mixed environment to a, you know, nearly solo cloud environment, but it, it doesn't change. How mm -hmm. does my business operate? What are the, what is the methods we deliver certain things to market? How do you develop protection infrastructure capabilities and controls over that? And how do you operate, monitor, respond, respond to it? I, I think that's the, the number one base thing that we have to remember in this space. Now, I think, you know, going into cloud service providers and whether it's our own clouds or it's GCP or Amazon or, or whoever, there's some opportunities with the underlying infrastructure to really drive that scale and drive demand, but it has to be integrated into your control operations and infrastructure, right? Like that's, yeah. that's, that's a huge important understanding is how are you using advanced next generation technologies to connect those ecosystems of defense and protection and response? And how are you doing for compliance and validation? You know, big thing in my area, you know, a lot, a lot of people think it's, you know, it's cool media, it's a video, you know, everyone's using it, but there's a reality that it doesn't matter, you know, w what you're delivering. There's jurisdictional and regulatory requirements you have to adhere to, and you have to be able to prove it. It can't mm -hmm. be, you know, just, oh, trust me, we're doing it. It has to be show me. And when you're doing it across that many environments, that integration point, that ability to show what we call controls assurance is critically important. So, you know, if I looked at your industry from the outside, I think, and you may have just touched on this, which is like, I bet we've got a lot of assumptions as people who are not inside TikTok or any big social media business about what cloud and cloud security is like for you. What's the biggest way you think that we're wrong? Like what would surprise me if I had your job for a day? What's going to be my biggest surprise? I, I think it's scale and regionality, right? Like I think, I think people forget, forget when they migrate to the cloud and they start putting production operations in into that environment is the level of scale that takes uh, yep. to to accomplish it i was at a, a cso meeting in west palm beach this this week with a, a bunch of really you know amazing cso's and cso's from from across industry and we, and we were talking about the scalability concept and the ability to deliver assurance like we were talking about a minute ago the technologies that, that drive that also give us the capability to do really great security. I mean, think about, think about container infrastructure for a second, yep. the ability to spin them up and tear them down and ensure that device is, is consistently patched, like within X number of days, it doesn't matter. Yep. Um, when it comes down, it goes back up. It's, it's, it's verified, validated, and it's patched and remove the patching issue from your environment. Like, can you imagine doing that for the first time in your life? Like. That capability exists today if you build it and do it right. So I, I think the, what would surprise most people is the scale this can drive for you, but also the level of security. And, and I think maybe the, you know, the last thing in this area is, is regionality. I think yep. cloud gives you the capability with data defense and access assurance controls to agnostically drive regionally specific requirements in an environment that's interconnected. And again, do it at volume and at scale. So I, I think a lot of people would, you know, say, huh, I, I didn't know that cloud was a resolution for that. Yep. I think that is a, a place most people don't think about cloud beyond, you know, oh, I put it in, you know, US East one and I'm done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think there's so many independent parts of cloud security, specifically to our, right? Like security, you know, risk and privacy enforcement capabilities. 
you can, most of the cloud environments, either you can get, you know, third-party cloud capabilities that integrate into the native cloud platform, or they, you know, the, the providers are creating them now as, yep. as a mechanism that it actually enables you to do something newer, faster in transition, rather than trying to migrate those enterprise standard control capabilities that you've been delivering for years. If I look back to the pre-cloud era, I think there were a lot of rules we followed and practices that were norms. Which one of those most resonates for you still today? Oh, how about this? You know, always keep learning. <laughs> like, <laughs> like static, folks that are static in this environment are going to wither away. But as like on a daily basis, these amazing companies and technology platforms are delivering net new capabilities. Sometimes I'm embarrassed when my teams are talking and I did not know that that was actually even possible, right? Like as practitioners, as professionals, as leaders, you got to keep up on it, especially, you know, as technologists, you have to continue to, to learn. So I don't think that ever changes first and foremost. And I think knowing your environment, right? So this comes back to understanding your assets, this understanding the tools within the environment you're operating that gives you the protect, detect, respond, you know, mm -hmm. recovery type methodology capabilities, you know, understanding that and understanding those critical, unique services that help define your controls assurance that help monitor, you know, your environment, making sure you understand this is still about, all about risks and priorities, Andy, but the yep. other day, this is what we do is still about risks and priorities. So making that applicable, making that framework applicable to a, a wider, larger technology ecosystem in cloud, I think is important in admitting your gaps in that and part of that is saying, wow, I don't have that visibility anymore or, oh my, you know, we wouldn't know that if it bit us in the face. So we've got to go back and solve for that. You, listen, you can't protect what you can't see. Doesn't matter if it's cloud data center, physical security, people, it doesn't matter, right? Like, so get that transparency and visibility. Get those risk programs in place and be truthful with yourself and your business about it. Yeah, no, I love that. I think the scariest moment for a CISO is when you're going to put up on your chart, whether you're briefing your board or just one of your executives, like here's an asset class. I don't know how big it is. I don't know what the security looks like on it. I'll have to go figure it out, but I'm going to tell you it exists before I do the hunt. And uh, I think it's a terrifying moment. We're like, well, why don't you know? Well, I found out about it yesterday. How about, how about this ending? My favorite question I tell people, the scariest question I ever got in a boardroom that has, that changed me forever was from a, an extremely smart CTO that was on uh, one of the boards and, and, he, and he said to me, but Roland, how do you know? Right. And I, it didn't register at first. I'm like, well, we did this, this. And he goes, no, no, no. How do you really know at the end of the day that that's what's in place across that large geography? And I, I took a step back and I said, that is a great great question i think i need to come back to you right which was humbling and it but at the same time it put a new perspective on you know what transparency really means to me and how that not just informs my ability to defend and protect but also inform and be transparent with the business and the consumers yep i love that so let's look at the flip side of this a lot of things we've been doing for a long time that maybe we should have stopped a while ago. So <laughs> give, me, give me a security practice that you hate or that you think we ought to have just buried and be done with. Do we have enough time, Andy? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, data center strategy and a security methodology built around hardware, right? Like got to be network defined. It has to be 
on device, on platform at, yep. you know, at, at bare metal, that doesn't exist like in the future, dynamic workloads and virtual clustering capabilities across different zones, software defined networks. Like I think the old data center strategy that we're trying to angle into a multi-cloud ecosystem can't work. It, it, first of all, it can't, it cannot work. Secondarily, it's apples and oranges from a protection standpoint, and it reduces your transparency, it reduces your effectiveness, and it reduces your scale. So don't do it. I, I think, you know, focusing on or embracing cloud capabilities, software defined capabilities, it, it's how your products are being built. It's how yep. you're delivering to market. It sure as hell should be how you're approaching security. So I think that's probably, you know, the number one thing from my perspective, I, I still see people, that's probably second one, enterprise conversion into cloud. Yep. Like it's not a thing. Like you, you can't take an enterprise environment and convert it. You can migrate services into cloud platforms. So that should be your focus. Like we should talk, stop talking about this enterprise conversion capability. And, you know, I think we really start when we talk about SDLC or DevSecOps, we really start need to start talking about uh, just how do we shift left and, mm -hmm. and how do we really, you know, move up that stack into the native aspects of code development and by design programs and, and get away from standardized capabilities around SDLC. So those, those are probably my top three at a quote unquote cyber technical level that, that I, I think most about. Yeah, you know, I like those and they sort of fit into an umbrella. I was recently moderating a boardroom of a group of, you know, CISOs and security directors, and one of them had the most insightful comment. He said, you know, the rest of the business did such a great job of slowing down application developers because it took so long to get hardware to provision hardware that we got time to catch up. And in the cloud, we don't have that time anymore. And that sort of fits into your model of when everything was centered around that piece of hardware. Like security could always catch up because you could always find the applications because there were only so many boxes out there. It's true. There's a beauty in the ease of developing, you know, software defined controls, for, you know, further to the left in the environment. But the issue around transparency, controls, yep. assurance, monitoring, if your system is built on a 2012 stack that's dependent on basic types of integration you're going to have a much, much more difficult issue to do your basic mission requirements of being able to see something, react to it, defend it, and from a controls or a regulatory reporting perspective, being able to prove it. And, mm -hmm. and so you really have to rethink that, you know, in today's world. So for you, if you, you know, compared what your expectations were over the last 20 years to what actually happened in the world, what's the biggest surprise for you about that the cloud has brought to us? Oh, speed and scale. I mean, remember like when you had to like think about how many boxes do I need to order, you know, with how many cores and how much memory yep. in order to support that. Whereas we might have a dynamic attack issue and today in, you know, less than an hour, I can spin up an environment that is six times the data center capability mm -hmm. that I was protecting before. Like, I mean, like speed and scale is just in, insane. I also think with that comes the pace of innovation. I mean, if you think about TikTok and, you know, we truly move at the speed of culture here, 
Um, and, and we're always saying that culture starts at TikTok. Therefore, our, our products has to be at the speed of culture. You, you got to keep up that pace. And, and so you have to be able to create new products, new, new environments, new, you know, production capabilities and everything that supports it behind it, uh, has to be in place. So I think the ability to keep up with culture, it has been really, really interesting to me. And I think this ability to give the business what they want, like, like cloud, uh, when it, when it first came was, you know, our, our ability to scale, not have data centers, you know, re, you know, get globalized, have get closer to the end users. I think those were all great things, but this, but the ability to give the business, what they need, where they need it at any given time it, and do it in, in a secure way has you know, broadly been a, a really big plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I definitely, I, I remember when uh, that scale and speed really hit me for cloud was actually when uh, HashDOS came out, which you recall was an Apache attack using uh, content length headers or to pull you know, too many things from an origin. It was really bad if you had a CDN in front of you that dealt differently than the origin server did. Right. And right. And you had to do that across customers, if I recall. So I do it across customers, right? So this one right. comes out and we're like, well, we think we know how this works for, you know, Apache, because that's what we were running for like our own origin for our website. But like, how does this work on every other web server? So I, you know, call up one of my architects, um, who's actually changing jobs, I think like today, but I called him up and I said, Hey, you know, I need you to go and investigate this and like get a lab environment, you know, deploy every possible web server out there. And, you know, and configure them to be backends to our service and then like go attack them and figure it out. And so he went to our IT team and they told him six weeks and he's like, he wanted like 15 machines. Oh my God. And so he's like, so he goes to AWS, you know, this is a while ago, so it's not quite as common, stands them all up. An hour later, I have a report and he says to me, he says, now, how do I bill this? Cause I just like put this on my personal credit card. You didn't even have a corporate card. And I'm like, oh man. I'm going to get in trouble because you put this on the wrong credit card. So I said to him, I said, what, what was the bill? He's like 97 cents. <laughs> so I literally I pulled a dollar out of my pocket. I paid it to him. Here I you said, go. You're, you're, you're good. And it was that moment when yeah. I was like, cause all that we needed was that handful of machines for five minutes each. Yeah. And that realization that cloud was going to solve that for us in a way that there was no way to do within a data center. Yep. Yeah. And I've certainly. I had an education on it over the last few years, but certainly coming to here and the, and the growth capability, you know, I, I don't even remember the, the number of virtual servers when I started, but it was, you know, we've, we've gone so far beyond that in, in yep. two years with our growth. Like I couldn't even imagine having procured th that, that many devices, you know, within, within a year and a half, it's like, right. it's craziness. Yeah. Let somebody else solve that problem and just provide you the hardware to run on. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So as you look forward, so that's uh, what surprised you. What are you most excited about for the opportunities of technology, you know, over the next five to 20 years? So I am a huge, huge believer in ML and AI, right? Like I think it, it solves problems. You know, I've been using it for years in, in financial crimes defense, mm -hmm. you know, obviously in, in my background in the financial sector. And, and, and that has really helped drive trust into, you know, financial instrument delivery and it, it just, so that's been important, but now 
with the speed and feed of, you know, some of these, some of these attacks we see and some of these uh, organized criminal capabilities that are operating out of data centers um, globally that have entire data centers, not like a box that they ripped off somewhere and they're doing something, but, you know, massive data environments that they're targeting organizations and being able to do it in such unique, subvertive ways is that, you know, the AI and ML will give us the insight into this these massive capabilities, these, mm -hmm. you know, uh, across so many different parts of our stack, I think I'm excited about, I think we're already seeing, you know, some security technology development companies delivering this in their cloud capabilities. And, you know, I, I'm excited for that. So that's, that's number one. Number two, the advancement in low code environments for defensibility and being able to actually not just migrate workloads anymore, migrate entire environments. <laughs> like yeah. I can, you know, I, I can, we used to use move the cheese, right? Bad guy comes in, we, or we have an advanced, you know, threat possibility. How do we move the cheese based on what they're trying to do? So being able, being able to keep it ahead of the adversary, being able to migrate service delivery at speed through the nimbleness of low code environments. You know, those are two that I get super excited when I think about it, just because it makes my life easier. <laughs> but it, it also really gives us, you know, a leg forward to start focusing on the other hard problem. I mean, think about some of the problems we have to do with regards to data sovereignty, data regionality. We can focus on the controls requirements and a capability to attach at the data level. So from identity to disaggregation, identity to data to delivery, we can do all of these things in cloud in region at scale, we've never seen it before. So that has, you know, that, that to me is like the pinnacle of really achieving an incredible security and, and privacy enforcement ecosystem through the use of cloud. Yep. No, I love that. So you've probably learned some hard lessons in your career and some of them you probably wish you'd learned a little earlier, or maybe somebody had given you advice. So what's the piece of advice you wish you'd gotten earlier than maybe when you got it or had to learn it yourself? Trust, but verify. I think that's one. I put a lot of trust in people. It's just a type of individual I am. I'm a team player. You know, I love working as a team, but as a leader that has accountability and we have to verify and include that's across your own teams, across partners, across your business, what, how you talk to the public about what you're accountable for. I think that's important. The other one I'm always preaching about. So any, this won't be the first time you heard it. It won't be the last, but you know, really understanding the entirety of the business, right? Like the old uh, Michael Porter value chain for the MBAs listening in, right? How do we Im imaginate, you know, a product? How do we develop it? How do we market it? How do we build it? How do we sell it? How do we deliver it? How do we monetize it? And how do we service it? And how do you do it all over again? Like that entire value chain. How do you look at the entirety of the, the business? It's the ecosystem, of that business with internal and external partners, right? You know, most people aren't doing their own ERP today. Most people aren't doing their, you know, our own marketing infrastructure. Most people have diversified supply chain. Most like that's your responsibility. That's yep. the entirety of the business. You, you're not just protecting a data center. You're protecting the entirety of that business process. So how do you understand it? How can you do it? And I wish, I wish I would have figured that a little bit earlier in my career, but this has been a passion of mine that I'm, I'm out there and I, and I like to share with people. Value chain risk assessment is an incredible thing I think that helps people really understand what they're protecting so they can develop the right protect protection. And then probably 
communications. I mean, like, I, you know, I was a military guy. I was in law enforcement. I still taste, say, 10-4 every day. I mean, like, <laughs> like literally, there's, there's a way that you have to communicate with the people that are using your services. And if that's other executives or if that's other parts of the business or, you know, whatever it may be, customers, making sure that people understand the business aspects of what you do. You know, we at programs levels like like yours and mine, you know, you're, you're spending, you know, tens of millions of dollars in protecting and defending a business and enabling them to, to go to market. How do you explain that? What is the value you're delivering? And how, and how do you make sure that not only do the customers understand it and the consumers, but your business does. And so I think that communication was really important. And I mentioned the last one, I always mentioned to everyone, get a mentor. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a CEO. It's always great to have someone to talk to, to you know, because there've been CEOs before you, there's been CSOs before you, or there are people that understand broader concepts than you, you understand and continue doing that throughout your career. Great. Well, that's, that's been fantastic, but you've got a stressful job. So what do you do to unwind? Do you actually have a secret TikTok account we could follow or do you do something <laughs> else to unwind? You know, I'm working on that, Andy. I, I, I still haven't had the, the, the opportunity. I've been too to be busy saving the world one TikTok at a time. Uh, but yeah, I, you know what? I've, I love spending time with my family. I'm on the road like you, travel the world, you know, a yep. few times a year. And so love being home. COVID from that perspective wasn't, hor you know, horrible for me. I, I loved spending almost a couple of years, you know, home. So I, I love to spend a lot of time with my wife and daughters and fishing. I mean, that's kind of like my guilty pleasure. I live on a lake. I love, I just love to fish. And so any opportunity to do that just puts me in a whole different place, a whole different world. Do you love to catch fish or do you just love the act of pretending to try to catch fish? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now let's, let's wind up with a piece of wisdom that doesn't have to be about business or technology. What's life advice you like giving out to people? All right. Number one, write it down. Now, this isn't because I'm getting old and I'm losing, you know, my, you know, my capabilities for memory. And this is about, you know, I, I think people do well when they do simple things like write stuff in a table and then prioritize. So I always tell people, like, when you're thinking about hard problems, just write it down. It, you know, you can decide what goes in the next column and the next column, but, you know, get, get it, write it down so it becomes clearer, I think, to, to many people. Second, don't be afraid to take on new challenges. I took this job knowing that it was going to be a challenge knowing that there were all different types of pressures and issues, but it had an incredible opportunity to do something I've never done before. And, you know, people shouldn't be afraid of going out of, you know, their comfort zone to pursue something that they haven't, haven't done. Selfishly, I think people should spend a little bit more time out outside of working on them and help work on others. And this is all around inspiration, being a leader, being someone that others can look up to and really, you know, it, it, from a practitioner standpoint, getting other people in the cyber, spend time in school, spend time with NIST, spend time with different organizations that get kids from early, you know, in middle school and high school to university, really thinking uh, about this space. Well, I, I know you'll appreciate I'm working on that giving back on the leadership front. I'm actually just finished the first draft of my book on leadership. It will be published on April 18th, 2023. So you've got some time to plan for buying that. All right. I want my signed copy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, you know, really, Roland, thank you for joining us today. You've dropped some great wisdom. 
Uh, I appreciate it. And it's always great chatting with you, even if it's not in the back backyard, eating a steak, uh, you know, off your grill. It's, you know, this, this is great. And I'm looking forward to the next time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Cloud Security Reinvented podcast. I'm your host, Andy Ellis, and I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you for checking out this episode of Cloud Security Reinvented, brought to you by Orca Security. Orca Security detects and prioritizes cloud security risks for AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud without the gaps in coverage, alert fatigue, and operational costs of agents. Please follow Cloud Security Reinvented wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or visit orca.security slash podcast to get immediate access to all of the latest episodes.